Welcome to the Impact Church Aurora podcast. We pray that this week's message encourages you, engages you, and equips you to make an impact in the world around you. Now, get ready to receive the Word of God. As I was preparing for today, it was the direction I, I thought God was leading me in two weeks ago. And then Friday the 15th happened. And now I sense what God is saying is so right now, so right now for our city and those of us who are going to win this city for Jesus Christ. Call it the title of my message today. It's the blessing in between. The blessing in between. If you will with me, Pastor Og was just reading story of the feeding of the 5,000. I want to pick this up. Actually, I'm going to use Mark's account. Mark chapter 6 is where I'm going to pick this up. It says this in verse 41. Jesus now taking the five loaves and two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. Who did Jesus give the... To who? See, why you're waiting on Jesus to do everything for you? You understand? I'm praying for Jesus to do something miraculous in the city of Aurora, but I'm not waiting for Jesus to show up and do it. Here I am. Send me. He gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them. Verse 42, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. Now the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. They pick up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. Over 5,000 men have eaten. That, that's just, just counting the men. If my twin brothers Dylan and Devon were there, they count for like four men themselves. Yeah. Just, just eating. Eating till they were satisfied. Now notice, I want you to see verse 45, because this is the blessing in between. Immediately after picking up these baskets of food, he makes his disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him to Bethesda. While he dismissed the crowd, after leaving the disciples, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, but Jesus was alone on the land. Next verse. And he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. A storm had stirred up. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by. Make sure you catch that. He was about to pass them by when they saw him walking on the lake. They thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them. And then the wind died down. And they were completely amazed. Verse 52 is what I need you to get in your spirit, though. For they had not understood about the loaves. Heavenly Father, I thank you right now. Something so revelatory is going to hit our understanding today. Whew. My God. 
Many people in our city have been in survival mode this, these last nine days. But God, you've called us to something so much greater. In fact, God, you're not concerned about our survival. You're concerned about our mentality. Let our hearts not be hardened like your disciples. Let us consider and help us to understand the miracle of the loaves today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Before you're seated, I want you to take a moment, just encourage somebody near you today. Let them know the blessings in between. The blessing is in between. The blessing is in between. Let them know. The blessings in between. Hallelujah. Blessings in between. You're awesome. Thank you. I want to thank Reverend Joshua again for preaching the word last Sunday. The word and the words. Thank you for preaching it all. Hallelujah. I also want to take a moment and thank Minister Andy Williams for yesterday. Thank you, sir, for the memorial that you put forward for Gary's family. Now, uh, if you've been a part of this church any length of time, you're, you're used to me after a while. I got, oh, that's just pastor being pastor. But when you put me in a place where people aren't used to me, whoo, who is this dude? Yeah. You got to be who you are. I got it. What I want you to see here, let's go back to this text. I'd ask Pastor Olga to cover the first half of this for me during the offering for a reason. We know this as the feeding of the 5,000, okay? It's one of four, uh, really it's the only miracle that is actually described vividly in all four gospel accounts, excluding the resurrection, if you will. But all four gospel accounts, uh, this is the only miracle that is represented in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what we see it, and we know it as the feeding of the 5,000, but ultimately, the Bible tells us that that was just the men. So the women and the children were, were not even counted. Okay? So let's just say every man's got a woman with him. And every woman's got, their, got her child. Well, at least 15,000 people show up. Now, this is quite a feat yeah. in, in this time period, okay? Because I, I need you to take into consideration. These people show up to, Je- to hear Jesus, and he has no website. Yeah. Yeah. He has no Facebook page. Come on, somebody. He's got no business cards to hand out. He's got no way to advertise who he is or where he's going or the next time he's having a meeting. People just hear about Jesus and they show up. Now, why is that ultimately? I believe it's because Jesus carried two things. He carried the word, who he was, and he had the spirit of God on him. People want to hear the word of God and they want to see a demonstration of his spirit. Let me say it again just in case you were falling asleep there. People want to hear the word of God, their daily bread, and they want to see a demonstration of his spirits. They need to know this thing is real. They need to know this thing is lasting. They need to know this thing is powerful. Jesus carried both. The Word made flesh. And obviously the Spirit of God was anointed him, was upon him to preach the good news, to break, if you will, captivity and bondages on people's lives, to open up the eyes of the blinds, to proclaim the acceptable year of God's favor. So people flocked to Jesus without any means of advertisement. They wanted what he had to offer. Now, on this particular day, the Bible tells us there, if you read through Mark's account, Jesus' disciples were already hungry. Okay, they, they're literally already hungry. 
And they're trying to sneak away, if you will, and the crowds see him, and they, they flock to Jesus, and they form, and Jesus has compassion on the crowds, and he just starts preaching to them about the kingdom of God. He, Jesus is doing what he does, preaching. Now, the Bible tells us this, that the disciples are like, yo, Jesus, you get long-winded, bro. And uh, these people get hungry, and they're about to faint. You know, I know we, we've been hungry all day long, Jesus. We ain't got nothing to eat, all right? We're, we're, we're hungry. We, let, let's send them away to get them something to eat. And I love what Jesus does. He takes this problem as an opportunity to teach them. It's a teaching moment. It's a problem to them, but Jesus sees it as a teaching moment. And you know what he says to them in verse 38? He says, what do you have? What do you have? What do you have? Now, the other gospel accounts say they found a boy with five loaves and two fish. We, we, we know the story. We know how, how it plays out. But here's what, I, if you're taking notes, and thank you, Pastor Joshua, for pointing this out last week. It's, it's important that you do so. I want you to consider this. Throughout the entire Bible, miracles always begin with the recognition of what you have. Miracles always begin with the recognition of what you already have. Moses, what's that in your hand? It's my staff. With it, you will do my wonders. What's in your hand? Miriam, we just destroyed the entire Egyptian army in the Red Sea. What's in your hand? She grabs a tambourine and she starts going for it. Ha! That was the first Pentecostal service out right there, boy. I'm telling you. Can't have a Pentecostal service out of tambourine. Come on, somebody. Let me get a witness. Okay. Pull out the tambourine. Pentecost happens. Hallelujah. That's why we keep them out of the show. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just... What's in your hand? David, what have you got? It's just a sling and a stone, but with it, you're going to take out that giant. What do you have? The miracle always begins with the recognition of what I've already got. A little boy with a, with a lunchbox, which is five loaves and two fish. What do you have? See, this is my question to you today. What do you have? You're pleading and begging and talking with God about the miracle you need, but Jesus says, well, what do you already have? I got a little bit of oil. I can go borrow some, some jars from my neighbors. Well, then go do it. Because I can't multiply it until you recognize what you already have. Now, the irony to me in this whole story is that they don't even count the women and children. But it's the one that they don't count. is the one that God uses to bring the miracle. Oh, Jesus. Anybody else can testify that you are amazed by a God who will use the people that other people don't even count on? I don't even deserve to be up here, but God's going to use the people. Now, the folk didn't even count. Verse 31 kind of tells us this, that when Jesus takes the bread, the very first thing he does with it, and I'm amazed by this, is he breaks it. He breaks it. He breaks it. But notice before the breaking comes the blessing. I'm going to make sense of this. Before the, the breaking comes the blessing. Consider, if you will, that 
until you can be thankful for something that's not enough, because oh, this is what Jesus does. He can always bless what's not enough and multiply it. But until you can be thankful for what's not enough in your own life, then what you already have, I don't like the marriage I've got. I don't like the house I've got. I, I don't like the job that I've got. I, I don't like the church that I've got. But God, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to thank you for what I have. And I'm going to lift it up before you. I just need to know if there's any people who realize I can be thankful. Even if it's not enough. I can offer it up before him. And give him thanks. The first thing Jesus does is he blesses it before he breaks it. And once he breaks it, they can't even keep track of the bounty. Literally, they start to lose count. All we know is that at the end, 5,000 men are well satisfied, including all the women and children, and there's so much left over. They have to gather up 12 big, full baskets of the scraps from that blessing that only came through the breaking. I don't think I like this message, Pastor. I want to hear about the blessings. I want to hear about the multiplication. I want to be well satisfied. Don't tell me I got to be broken to go through. I don't know if I want to hear that first. I don't know if I, my spirit can, re, can re, receive that, but do you understand that once Jesus broke it, the more he began to break it, the more the blessing was multiplied to the people. Can I tell you today, as Pastor Olga already said, the blessing is in the breaking. The real blessing is in the breaking. And anything that refuses to be broken refuses to be blessed. I didn't want Aurora to ever go through a tragedy like this. I wanted to stand there in the face of even, defying the face of God to say, I refuse to let my city go through a tragedy. I have prayed for years that my city would not be known for something like this. I refuse the breaking, Lord. And you know what God began to show me? Then you will refuse my blessing. Whoop. Okay, hold up. Time out. Wait a minute. I serve a God that uses broken things. You ever considered the simple fact that you have to break the soil in order to produce a crop? You ever considered you have to break the cloud before it produces rain? Have you ever considered simply you got you to you break up the grain to produce bread? You have to break the bread to give strength to the man. You have to break the hour Faster box to produce the perfume. You got to break the defiant Peter who just denied Jesus, that he even knew him. Be broken down to tears so that he can be restored and now be full of power on the day of Pentecost to proclaim Jesus Christ. You have to break the Savior of the world so he can die for its sins but come back as the resurrected King of kings and Lord of lords. The blessing 
is in the breaking. One of the things about my beautiful wife is she's great at throwing parties. What I hate about when she throws parties is how much food she buys. Come on, somebody. How many people are coming, baby? Oh, we got, we got enough. Nope. Because you know your brother's going to eat enough by themselves. She's right. I find myself agitated when she spends too much money on too much food. To me, it's just kind of, it's kind of wasteful. You notice that Jesus could have stopped at the very point that the 5,000 were fed? Come on, God doesn't miscalculate. God is precise. And if he wanted to, he could have stopped the breaking at the point that everybody was satisfied. But there's something about my God. He just wants to make sure that you know he's an abundant, overflowing, overwhelming kind of... I need somebody to take a moment right now and testify that when it seemed like it was wasteful, when it seemed like it was too much, you serve a God that identifies himself as El Shaddai, simply meaning... I am the God Almighty. I am the God All-Sufficient. And when you put it all together, I am a God that is more than enough. And I came to tell you today, you, do, you refuse to listen to anybody who ever tells you God is going to give you just enough. You remind them, not the God that I serve. He's in abundance, super giving, more than able, exceedingly abundantly, above all, I ask or think. That's the kind of God that I serve. Here's my question, ultimately. Here's my question. Why would Jesus tell them to gather 12 basketfuls of the leftovers and then immediately tell them to get on a boat? Think about it. They've been starving all day long. Finally, here comes this amazing miracle. Now gather up what's left of that miracle. And now get on a boat. Get on a boat. Huh? What, were they going to want a midnight snack, Jesus? What do you think about it? What is happening here ultimately? We just saw a mighty miracle. Now gather and get on a boat. Now, nothing is outside of his knowledge. Okay. Jesus, he knows the heart of men. He is the word who was spoken in the beginning. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He knows that a storm is coming. And he tells them, gather up the loaves and get on the boat. What is my pastor talking about? See, it didn't make sense to me either at first. It wasn't until I kept reading the story and I got to verse 52 that they didn't consider the loaves. Well, walk with me for just a moment. Just walk with me. Come on. We're going to kind of take this little journey together, right? He knows the storm is coming. He commands them to get on the boat after gathering up the leftovers. He sees them in the storm with the waves and the wind coming against them. He comes to them walking on top of the very thing that is trying to take them under. And the Bible tells us in verse 48, he's about ready to pass them by. 
You know what I've learned about God? He will come near you, but he might not always come to you. Say, what? I don't know how many of you can, can bear witness to this, but many times in my life, I have learned that in order to be a recipient of his power and of his presence, I have to be a participant. Let me help you out. When praise and worship is happening on a Sunday and you are in need of the blessing or the touch or the presence of God, do yourself a favor and don't do this. Well, I came to church, so God better come to me. He was about ready. To, now, he knew they were in dire straits. He knew they were freaking out. And he's about to pass them by. Understand, he is going to come near you, but he might not always come to you because he needs you to be a participant in his presence and in his power. Come on, somebody. Blind Bartimaeus. I hear that Jesus is coming by. I'm going to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I know you're coming by, but I need you to come to me. And the only way you can get here to me is if I'm a, I'm a willing, active participant in the blessing that I need. The ten lepers cry out to him. Participants in their miracle. The woman with the issue of blood. She goes after her healing. Do you understand what I'm saying? This isn't complicated. He's about ready to walk by. He knows what I got need of. It's Jesus. And he's about ready to pass me by, indicating that I must learn to be a participant when I'm in need of his presence, in need of his power. Does it make sense what I'm saying? And here's what's so crazy about the storm. Sometimes in the storm, God can look like a ghost. Oh my God, it's a ghost. If you know the story, the lake that they were actually sitting in was the same lake that Jesus cast a man who had a legion of demons. Cast those demons out into the pigs, and the pigs ran over the edge into the water. So I can understand very possibly these brothers are like, Yo, you remember Legion? That might be him. Sometimes in the middle of a storm, God doesn't show up the way we expect him to. Sometimes in the middle of a tragedy, we think we know how God should identify himself, how he should be present. And we miss sometimes the fact that God does not ever do what we really want him to do, the way we want him to do it, when we want him to do it. He can look like a ghost in the storm. But something about they're crying out in fear. They begin to recognize him. Now notice it wasn't by the way he walked. Notice they, they, they didn't recognize his face. They, they did not recognize his appearance. The Bible tells us he spoke up and he said, don't be afraid. It is I. They recognized him by his. See, sometimes in this walk of faith, 
Most times, I don't even know where God is leading me. I can't see it. So I have learned I cannot walk by what I see. I have to learn to walk by faith. And the Bible tells me his sheep know his voice. So when I can't see him, when I can't feel him, when I don't even fully sense him, I have learned to recognize his voice. And when the word of God goes forward, ah, there's my shepherd. I recognize it. I was afraid. I was terrified. I was for sure this thing was going to take me out. But then my, my great shepherd started speaking. And though I can't see him, I hear him. And I recognize, there he is. I hear you, Lord. Why do you think the enemy fights your time in the word and fights your time in prayer? He doesn't want you to learn to recognize the shepherd's voice. They recognize his voice. And here's what's so crazy to me. Jesus gets into the boat. And then the storm ceases. See, this whole text confused me the last few days. Come on, Jesus, do what you do. Speak to the winds and the waves. Rebuke them and make them obey. Not this time, y'all. As long as I'm out here in the water and outside of your boat, I'll just keep showing you I'm on top of the thing that's trying to take you out. But once you invite me in, and this is crazy. The storm was not really a storm after all. It was just another teaching moment. Just, just like the loaves and fishes, the storm becomes a, another teaching moment. See, this whole test, come on, it was contrived in a controlled environment. He already knew the wind and waves were going to stop the moment he got in the boat. It was a test in a controlled environment. Can I tell you that what our city has faced this last, these last nine days, it has been a test, contrived in a controlled environment. I'm not saying God caused anything to happen. I'm not saying God willed anything to happen. I'm saying God is using everything that has happened. And here's this test. They're freaking out. They're scared. They're, they're worried. What does Jesus do? He gets in the boat. And the wind and waves, they cease. Can I tell you today that maybe the trouble that we're facing is so that we will recognize what's not in the boat and who we need. Maybe just maybe the trouble you're going through is an opportunity for you to see Jesus in a brand new and living way. The storm was a test. The storm was a test. Do you know what the answer was? Do you want to know what the answer was? It shocked me. Because I, I didn't even think about this. The answer to the test of the storm was the leftover scraps sitting next to them in the boat. Hold on a second. See, when Jesus shows up, he's not disappointed 
in the storm. He's not disappointed in their fear. He's not disappointed that they don't recognize him. He's disappointed that they didn't consider and understand the miracle of the loaves. Can you give me verse 52 one more time? This See how it reads. They had not understood. They're completely amazed, but they had not understood the miracle of the loaves. Can I tell you that God never intended you to, for you to go through something and actually never get something out of it? God intended that every time you go through a storm, every time you go through a test, every time you go through a situation, that you come out with something on your boat that you didn't have before. Understand, this storm that came up against them, this test that came up against them, they didn't even think about the answer. Wait a second. Just a few hours ago, We watched him take five loaves and two fish and multiply it in his hands and cause the multitude to be fed. And then at his command, we got in this boat. He told us to do it. Just like he told us to distribute the miracle, he told us to get in this boat. That means he knew this storm was coming. That should mean with these 12 basketfuls of overflow sitting next to me, that if he could do that, he's going to take care of what's coming next. Come on, somebody. Do you understand? They, they could could not understand the miracle of the Lord. They completely forgotten what God just did for them, not even hours before that. And here's the point, I guess, that I'm simply trying to make to you. When you start going through your next storm, take a moment and realize and think back to what God has already done. I don't know how to say this, but sometimes when I see a, a situation, a problem, a tragedy, you know what I say? Thank you. Next. Oh, you don't give me your spirit. Ultimately, I've been here before. I've seen this before. You've got to know, devil, this thing you're stirring up against me, all it's going to do is remind me of what God has already done for me. See, when, when I get into fights with, with Satan, I don't start letting him know. I, I pray at City Hall. I, I text with the mayor. I was asked to speak in different churches. I don't bring up the stuff I'm doing. You know what I do? I reach back for my scraps. And I remember what he's already done. I, I can't fight him with what I'm currently doing because I don't know if I'll always be doing this. But I, I remind him, yo, devil, you bringing this right now? Let me remind you, I'm the same little boy that worked six days a week at the post office, carry mail sometimes 12, 14 hours a day in the rain, sleet, cold, and snow when you didn't even want me to drop mail off of your door. I was there and still preaching the gospel week in and week out. Yo, devil, I don't care what you're bringing right now. It's not about what I'm doing. It's about what I've already done. I was faithful then. God brought me through then. God remained true to his word then. Bring what you got. See, the reason I can get scrappy, one thing my daddy taught me, 
If you want to get in a fight, look for the guy who has no experience. He's got nothing to, to pull from. He don't know what's going to go on. But when you fight with somebody who's been through hell and high water, 2012, I went through a breaking. I thought I was done. I was troubled. Church wasn't growing. It was going nowhere. We were, instead of gaining members, we were losing influence. Maybe I'm done. Maybe, it. Maybe, I, maybe I tried and I failed, but at least I tried. But I was looking at my current battle and not remember when God had already. I didn't reach back for the scraps initially. Now, thank God for a, a loving wife who is scrappy. And she reminded me, let's not forget what he promised us. Let's not forget what's already in our boat. Do not forget the scraps, Jamin. Dang, girl, you're right. I don't want to admit it, but you're right. And I kept reaching back and reminding Satan, this is what the Lord has already done. Do I got any people in this place today? You've been through a breaking in your life. What that breaking has done is produced a blessing for you. That when the next storm comes, the next test comes, the next tragedy comes, you've got something you are drawing from that ultimately says, it doesn't matter what it looks like. I remember the miracle of the loaves. I remember when God showed himself to be El Shaddai, to be more than enough, to be almighty, to be ever-present, to be all-knowing. I remember when God did that. All I'm going to do is reach back and remind myself of the loaves that he already performed for me, the loaves he already created for me the things he made available to me and I don't know about you but when I think about Jesus and what he's already done for me when I think about Jesus and how he's already done set me free I'm about to get all Pentecostal on you for just a moment but the truth of the matter is the truth of the matter is when I remember what he's already done. This demonic attack against our city actually serves as a reminder to me that God promised Revival for Aurora. And he promised it long before I ever even came on the scene. Before I was ever sitting in my mother's womb, God promised revival for Aurora. You've got to know, ladies and gentlemen, we are not in a situation that God isn't already prepared for. We are not in a storm that God already doesn't have the miracle and the reminders ready of his promises for this city. Can I tell you, it is time for us to stop freaking out about what we currently see and instead look back to the scraps. I don't understand why they could not see Jesus in the scraps. 
Maybe they didn't have the full revelation there, but we do. The broken loaves serve as a reminder of his broken body. How do you not see Jesus in the scraps? How can you ignore so great a salvation? What he's already accomplished and done. I'm reminded of the two men that walked the Emmaus Road. Disciples. But you know what? They could not recognize Jesus. They walked with him. He preached to them. Showed them. Walked them through the scriptures of how everything in the old covenant was pointing to the Messiah and how he would fulfill it all. You know when they recognized him? The moment... He's sitting there with them at the table. And he takes the bread. And he blesses it. And he breaks it. And he gives it. And then their eyes were opened. That's Jesus. When you think back to your scraps, the battles you've been through, the victories you've won, the time God blessed you, the time God healed you, the time God delivered you, the time God covered you, the time that God made a way when there wasn't one. I look back at my scraps and I see there's Jesus. There's Jesus. He's ever been there. He will always be there. I declare over my city. Lord Jesus, you have ever been here, near to us. But now we are asking you to come to us. Right there on the outskirts of our boat, in the midst of the storm, showing us you're still on top of the things trying to take us out. There you are. It's still under your feet. You still have authority over it. Help us to recognize right here, right now, right now in this room, that Aurora, our city, is meant to see Jesus come in, not just pass by. Come on, somebody. We get religious for a few moments when we're, when we're afraid, when we're worried, when we're troubled. But then we think, this too shall pass. We don't want Jesus passing by Aurora. We need him to come and get in the boats known as Aurora, Illinois and remain with us. Somebody agree with me right now for this city. He's not going to pass us by. He's coming to us. 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 Because I told you from the very beginning of this, God is not concerned with our survival. God is concerned with our mentality. Our mentality. I'm not a ghost. I'm not just going to pass by. I am God. I'm the God of the storm. I'm the God of the secret things. 
I, I am the God of all. And I am the God of your scraps. Remember, you need me. You need me. Every victory in my life, I recognize I couldn't have got it without him. Every breakthrough that happened in my life, it wouldn't have happened without him. Every blessing that I have through the brokenness of my life, I realize I didn't make these things happen. It's because of him that they're in my life. Can I take a moment right now and find somebody that can come in to agree with me and say, had it not been for the Lord on my side. I'm not trying to get preachy. I'm not trying to stir up your emotions. I'm trying to find agreement here today. What I have, I have because he is Jehovah Jireh. He's provided it all. It's because of him. It's because of him. You didn't tell me to put the scraps in my boat so I could eat it. Told me to put the scraps on my boat as a reminder of what you've already done and what you're still able to do. If you agree with me today, can we just throw up our hands and say, Thank you, Lord? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're still able. 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 Thank you. You're still able. You're still able. The scraps become a memorial. The scraps become a memorial. It's a reminder. Remember what I've done. Remember what I will do. A memorial. I'm not just the God of your miracles. I'm the God in between your miracles. I'm the blessing in between your miracles. I've got 5,000 men fed. I see a storm cease. And he's the God that performs both miracles. And he's the God in between So whatever you're praying for, whatever you're believing for, if you don't yet have it, I want to invite you to throw your hands up to heaven and praise the God who is still God in between your breakthrough, in between your deliverance, in between your miracle. He's still God. He's still God. Come on just for a moment. Come on, just lift our hands all over this room and worship. Come on, just lift our voices and just worship. Let's lift our hearts and gratitude and praise and just worship. Just worship. Just worship. Just worship. Just worship. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, my God. My God. Hallelujah. Just a moment longer. Come with me just a moment longer. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you. Here's what I learned about Jesus. The Bible tells us he was, he and the disciples were hungry. And the people came in droves. 
and his compassion literally suppressed his hunger and he began to preach to them and preach to them until his disciples pointed out yo Jesus you're going a long time yo pastor you've been preaching for an hour only then did he pause to create the miracle the Bible tells me though that while the disciples were in the boat Jesus went somewhere else he got alone to pray do you understand why? Please understand why. If you just keep reading Mark 6, you'll see it. Okay. Jesus got alone to pray because he knew this is a miracle unlike anything else I've ever done. 5,000 men, not including women and children. So over 15,000 people probably are now going to run back and tell everybody else they know about what I just did. You've got to understand, those who are praying for the blessings of God in your life, you've got to understand, with every blessing also comes a burden. I have been praying for this city for a long time. I can't say I was ready for the burden of last Friday. But with every blessing comes a burden. Jesus recognized, the only way I can carry this burden is if I remain in the presence of my Father. I must remain in prayer. I must remain close to the heart of the Father. Can I tell you, as much as we believe for blessings, as much as we believe for breakthrough, as much as we believe, God, use me in great ways. You know why most people don't ever do it? Because they can't handle the weight of that blessing. They want the influence. They want the fame. They want their name out there, but they can't then carry the weight of what comes next. This is why some of you end up falling off of what God's doing next. I'm not prophesying this. I'm just telling you. God's going to use our church in such tremendous ways, and you've got this mentality of just survival. You loved being a big fish in a small pond, and now God has expanded our influence and increased what we're going to do in the city, and now you see it, whoa, and now I'm going to be a little fish in a big pond. How about you change your mentality and just say, I'm going to be a big fish in a big pond. I never understood the loaves. The burden that is coming that I've already felt even this past week. Can I tell you this? Whether you like me or not after this. I will not be a part of every counseling session moving forward. I will not be a part of every ministry opportunity Impact has moving forward. I might not be a part of every party you throw moving forward. You can get upset with me or you can come and join me carrying the burden of this blessing God has for our city. What do you mean he ain't going to take my phone calls no more? I can't show up at his door unannounced? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do exactly what I do to every salesman that comes by. Jesus understood if I don't remain in prayer, the burden that is coming next from my... Because literally what happens next, once... The storm ceases. They get to the other side. The people come running to him. They come. So literally, he's not had nothing to eat in probably now 
almost 48 hours. Okay? He has been up all night praying. He has stopped a storm on top of a miracle of feeding all these people. And the people run to him. And because he had spent that time seeking the face of the Father, he was ready for the burden of now ministering to every person that was sick and demon-possessed all day long. This is not me getting puffed up. This is me humbling myself before God and telling you. I might not be available to you all the time. Because God has called me to be available to this city. To shepherd our city. So you can join me in remembering and understanding the loaves. The bigger miracle at work here. Not just feeding people's bellies. Bringing them the word of life. Jesus Christ. The bread of heaven. Ultimately, I want to conclude this service as a memorial. Not just to the six slain. I say six. I'm not off my numbers. I said it right. Six that are now gone. The six officers were wounded. I want to offer this as a memorial. In the midst of the storm, because we're still coming through it, but the miracles that happened before and the miracle that's to come afterwards, he is still the God in between. It is you've got to see today and recognize today. We cannot forget. We cannot ignore. We cannot fail to understand the loaves. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear me in your spirit? Everything that tries to break me, his body was already broken. Thank you for listening to this week's message on the Impact Church Aurora podcast. Please feel free to subscribe, rate, and review. For more information or to give, please visit us at www.impactchurchaurora.com. Now, go out into the world and continue making an impact.